The people of Spain have spoken. However, as is often the case when a whole bunch of people speak at once, it is not entirely clear what was said. What? Shh. At this past weekend's Spanish general election, the government didn't quite lose, and the opposition didn't quite win. A situation such as this is obviously outstanding fun for politics and foreign affairs rune readers, entrail flingers, and tea leaf scrutinizers. Pretty much any analysis one files has a decent-ish chance of being more or less right, or at least not noticeably more wrong than anybody else's. Really, on occasions like these, any given pundit has about the same chance of nailing it as a chimpanzee ushered in front of a dartboard. <laughs> the circumstances of Spain's election were nearly as muddled as the result. Spanish voters were not due at the polls until November. Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez elected to go early, and at a time when A. Spain's weather does not encourage patients standing in line, and B. as a consequence of A. many millions of Spaniards are on holiday. And these were not the only reasons that this election appeared such an interesting cephalogical experiment. The usual form with snap and or early elections is that governments call them when they think they're at an advantage, or that disaster is looming. Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez called this election when his party seemed at a disadvantage, and disaster had already done whatever the past tense of loomed is. Lumbed, perhaps. Or lumened. Although yesterday's votes had a municipal and regional scope, the sense of the vote conveys a message that goes beyond that. And that's why, as president of the government and also as secretary general of the Socialist Party, I take responsibility for the results and I believe it is necessary to respond and submit our democratic mandate to the popular will. In regional and municipal elections in May, Sanchez's Socialist Workers' Party had been roughed up quite badly. Calling a snap early election off the back of this thrashing seemed the equivalent of threatening to quit your job shortly after receiving a written warning. However, while the response of Spain's voters is certainly not an anguished no, don't go, please stay, sobbed as the electorate clings abjectly to one leg of Sanchez's trousers, nor is it quite a breezy bye then. It appears to have shaken out broadly as follows. Sanchez's socialists actually picked up a couple of seats. However, they were nevertheless beaten by their conservative opponents, the People's Party, led by Alberto Núñez Feijó, who picked up 47 more seats for what amounted to a handy victory. The tricky bit is that neither party now have a parliamentary majority of their own, nor, apparently, can either party assemble one with their expected coalition colleagues. Pre-election polls predicted that the People's Party would win, but also augured a likely role as kingmakers for Vox, an unsavoury sack of seething headbangers unkeen on such things as women, gay people, foreigners, the climate and the environment. This prospect prompted an amount of the anxious hand-wringing often associated with any success by far-right parties anywhere in Europe, especially in those portions of Europe which have an amount of history with this kind of thing. Spain only restored its democracy as recently as 1977. 
Millions who voted at the weekend would have attended schools in which a portrait of Francisco Franco glowered from a classroom wall. Spain's years without an attempted fascist coup d'etat flip counter currently reads a meager 42. We know that all that party wants to do is take away our rights, as people, as women, as workers. We can't stay home looking after our children and waiting on our husbands. So these concerns are not unreasonable, especially when allegedly respectable conservative parties in Spain and elsewhere in Europe are willing, when expedient, to climb into their hazmat suits and engage with such toxic elements. The People's Party had already agreed coalitions with Vox in some regional governments. Italy is excluded from such analyses because its present government isn't so much in cahoots with swivel-eyed nationalist dingbats as comprised of them, but there are plentiful examples of such arrangements, and their inbuilt folly, i.e. that cranks gonna crank. In Finland, the Liberal Conservative National Coalition govern along with the weirdo Finns party, who have duly furnished several racism scandals. The United Kingdom has spent seven years and counting paying for a Conservative Party's recklessness in attempting to accommodate its own fruitcake wing. It's the Guardian reading, to- tofu eating, wokarati, dare I say, the anti-growth coalition that we have to thank for the disruption that we are seeing on our roads today. In Germany, where one really might hope they'd know better, Christian Democratic Union leader Friedrich Merz recently floated the idea of local cooperation with hard-right Yahoo's alternative for Deutschland, and was swiftly compelled by the heartening reaction to this proposal to execute the tricky manoeuvre whereby a politician is compelled to clarify that what they meant was the precise opposite of what they said. collective wisdom of the Spanish electorate seems to have come down against the idea of such reprobates getting any share of their government. Vox lost 19 of the 52 seats they held, and about a fifth of their primary vote. It has to be hoped that the mainstream conservatives of the People's Party have learnt something from this. It can be reasonably anticipated that we won't need to wait long to find out if they have. If neither Fejo nor Sanchez can command a parliamentary majority, and it's difficult to see how either of them can, another Spanish election, and another Spanish election explainer, is likely before the year is out. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller.